Well, I also want to welcome you this morning to Cornerstone. So glad that you are here. If you're a guest, uh, thanks for being here. My name is David, and I serve as a senior pastor here, and I want to thank you uh, for giving me the chance to share with you. We're in the fifth week of this series called Family Meeting, and if you have your Bible, I want you to find two passages of Scripture today. Uh, if you didn't bring your Bible, you can use the blue Bible that is in the seat pocket in front of you. Uh, Matthew 13 and Psalm 1. These are the page numbers uh, in the blue Bible that we have provided for you for each of those uh, two passages. would love for you to find those and have those available as we, as we move through uh, this series. Uh, we have started each week of uh, this, uh, this series with a principle, an idea, uh, in thinking about what does it mean to be a great family. Uh, and the idea is this, that great families are those who establish values, who pursue shared vision, and help one another maintain healthy direction. Which means that if you want to be a great family, every once in a while you need to get together and you need to remember, this is our vision, these are our values, and this is the direction that we want to move together. It's important for families to do that. And so what we've been doing together as a church family for the last five weeks, we'll wrap up next week, we have together been having a really big family meeting to talk about this is our vision, this is our values, and this is the direction that we want to head together, and this is how we can help one another. And so my hope and prayer has been uh, in advance of this series and then throughout this time, not only for the messages that you hear, but for those who are participating in the small group curriculum that we've also uh, shared with you, my hope and prayer has been, Lord, would you help us to be a great family? A family that knows what is, what is our vision, what are our values, and what direction you would take us and you would have us go as we share our lives together. Uh, if you have your uh, bulletin that you, that you got when you came in, I'd love for you to turn that over real quick. Uh, and on the back of that is a message page if you want to write anything down uh, from the message today. But in particular, what I want to point out to you is the title of today's message. The title of today's message is The Church is a garden. Now, I, I recognize I've, I've given you two passages of Scripture to look up, and now we're talking about two different metaphors. So I'm mixing metaphors here today, but what you have shown me is you're really smart people, okay? So you can follow along here. So stay anchored in the idea of the church as a family, but I want us to think about the church also as a garden. And, and I want you to have that imagery about the church being a place where we pray God is planting seeds, seeds that are meant to grow, and that because of the health of the soil here in the garden that is our church, those seeds are growing and coming to full fruition. Hold that in your mind, that imagery of the garden, uh, as I read to you now Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. When the sun came, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now, if you're brand new to the scriptures, 
you have just heard one of the primary teaching methods that Jesus employs uh, in his teaching ministry. He uses what is called in the scriptures a parable. And a parable is simply a story to illustrate a point, okay? It, it's, a, it's an analogy, it's a metaphor. And so what we often find Jesus doing in order to describe and help us understand something that may be difficult for us to wrap our heads around is he anchors that truth in something that would be easier for us to understand, something that we can see, something that is more tangible. And so he talks about something that his original audience would have been very familiar with, the idea of a farmer sowing seeds and the different types of soil that might receive that seed. And if you've heard this before, my guess is that you've heard it in the context of thinking about your heart as the garden. In other words, the application has been, the, the idea is, as you think about these four types of soil that Jesus describes here, which one reflects your life? Is your life, is your heart like the path that has been beaten down by the footprints that have passed across it? And so because of that, the seed that falls there is not able to, to find the proper depth in the soil. Is your heart like the rocky places? Is it crowded with other things? And, and so because of the crowding that is there, when a seed is planted, it just doesn't have the room that it needs to grow. Is your heart like the thorny places? Maybe there's some other stuff going on there. And so though the seed does produce fruit, it's choked out by the thorns that may be. Or obviously the goal is that your heart would be the good soil. The soil that receives the seed. And because that seed is received, because it reaches its proper depth, it has room to grow, it receives the full harvest. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. But again, today, I want us to think not about the heart as a garden, even though that's a good idea. I want us to think about the church as a garden. I want us to think about the family of faith as the garden. And the question being, the application being, what is, what's the soil look like? As we think about ourselves, the entire church family as the garden. And, and here's why this is an important idea. Uh, what I want to suggest to you is that the Christian life is a planted life. The whole idea of following Jesus is that we do not do that in isolation. We do that with one another. What Jesus creates and brings into life after the resurrection is the church, the body of people who share this journey of faith together. Let me give you one illustration of this from Psalm 1. So if you uh, turn there, this is what we find in the first three verses of Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is the one... Who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. I want you to notice what's happening here. Blessed is the one who doesn't do these three things. The one who doesn't walk where they shouldn't be walking. The one who doesn't stand where they should not be standing. And the one who doesn't find themselves sitting where they should not be sitting. That's pretty good advice, isn't it? We, we, we have some teenagers here today. Uh, you guys have, God has great, amazing dreams for your life. Here's some really solid advice. As you continue to grow in your life, don't walk where you shouldn't be walking. Don't stand where you shouldn't be standing. 
And don't find yourself sitting in places where you shouldn't be sitting. Because all these people over here, they could tell you a lot of bad things happen when you walk where you shouldn't be walking, where you stand where you shouldn't be standing, and you sit where you shouldn't be sitting. You can save yourself a lot of grief in life if you just pick the right places, right? To walk and to sit and to stand. That person, the one who is blessed, is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. And rather than this wandering that is described in verse 1, look at what verse 3 says. The person who is blessed is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers because they are planted They have planted their lives in good soil, soil that has the capacity to bring into the tree the nutrients that it needs to create life, to flourish, and to grow. You were meant to be planted. And this is only one example in the scriptures, I could share with you many, many more, that uses this idea of being planted, of being connected, that this life of faith is not meant to be lived in isolation. It's meant to be shared with one another, which means that environments matter and relationships matter. And the words that you hear spoken into your life and you are speaking into the lives of others, they matter because all of them speak to the vitality of the soil in which you are planted. If you're going through the small group study, this is how I shared it with you there, that the best version of you requires the investment of more than you. That if you want to be that best version of yourself, which I'm guessing that you do, it will require the investment of more than just you. It is sharing your life with others and enabling them to to share their life with you. It's a connected, planted life. So what I want to share with you today are two things that I think the church must have if the church is going to receive the fruit, if the people who are planted there are going to grow to the extent that God wants them to grow. For for the people who are here to become the best version of themselves, two things that the church must do, must invest itself in and share together if this is going to be a garden that is defined by healthy soil, where the seeds can take root, sprout, and grow. Here's what the two things are. The two things are grace and truth. Two things that are not adversaries of one another, but two things that must be able to work in partnership with one another if, again, this garden is going to grow healthy seeds and flourishing fruit. Let's talk about why these two things must be in partnership with one another. Some of you know a lot about planting and growing because you're good at it. Like if I came to your house, I'd pull up and be like, wow, look at the, look at the front of the house. I'd, I'd walk in the back like, this is an English garden. I've been transported. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Well, that's not where my expertise comes from. My expertise comes from 
defeat and destruction and killing. If you have a plant in your house that you need to kill, just bring it to our house. We will take care of that for you. We we can kill anything. We were driving home last night, and and my wife said to me, you should have mentioned that tree that we planted in Cleburne. I was like, what tree did we plant? Well, she said, well, don't you remember when Anna was born, we planted a tree. We thought this was going to be such a neat, beautiful, spiritual moment, and then the tree died. It was like, oh, what does that mean? The tree's dead. It didn't work we can kill anything which means I know a lot about killing plants how to do it and here's one of the things that I've learned in this process and maybe you've learned this too that the very thing that a plant needs to create life can also be the very thing that destroys life so so one of the things that that all plants need all plants need water and all plants need light Nobody wrote that down. Okay, you must have already known that. All plants need water and all plants need light. And if you deny the plant water and if you deny the plant light, at some point the plant will die. It has to have those things. Plants need it in differing measure, but they all need at least some of each of those two elements. But if you give them too much of either of those elements, you can also kill the plant. The sun can scorch off its growth, and water can literally drown the seeds. That there is, the irony is, the thing that creates life is also can be the thing that, when it's used inappropriately, can actually destroy life. There's a, there's a partnership here, and this is going to sound strange at first. I know it is, but just stick with me. Grace works in our lives in a very similar way. Now, you may be thinking, I don't know about that, Pastor. I mean, that sounds a little bit strange. I mean, you, you talked a lot about the, we just sang about the amazing grace of God, the overwhelming grace of God. Like, how can you have too much grace? How can, how can grace, like, what does that even mean? What does that even look like? And if you find yourself pushing back, let me just applaud you, because you should. Remember what Peter says to Jesus. Peter, the disciple, comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my neighbor? And Peter, being the star student that he is, he even has a suggestion. He said, Jesus, I've thought about this. I think seven is a good number. What do you think, Jesus? And Jesus says, no, not seven, but seven times seven times. Which was not an invitation for Peter to do the math, but an invitation for him to stop counting. And so, in some ways, you would be right to say that grace, you never have enough grace. But here's what I want you to think about, that grace without truth leads to destruction grace without truth leads to destruction let me illustrate it for you this way I asked our child development expert that'd be pastor Tina uh, uh, to to tell me what are what are what are some things that every child needs if they're going to develop if they're if they're going to grow if they uh, if they're going to have the best chance to be the the fully functioning adults that that we want them to be. And here's, the, here's two things she said. Every child needs unconditional love and acceptance. Every child needs, in order to form a healthy self-identity, they need to know that they are unconditionally loved and they are unconditionally accepted. That there is a trusted adult in their life that expresses to them, no matter what happens, No matter where you go, no matter what you find yourself in, you can come home and you will be welcome here. Everyone needs that. 
the second thing that every child needs is every child needs guidance, every child needs an understanding of boundaries, and every child needs to hear the truth about what they must leave behind if they're going to leave behind their childish ways and to step into adulthood. Uh, child psychologists call this self-regulation. It's a transition that happens through childhood and adolescence. It, it starts in infancy when a kid makes no decisions for their life, has no control over anything, to the point where they have the capacity to control and regulate their life. And you know this, don't you? Because you've seen people who haven't received that. <laughs> and you know where their life ends up. It ends up at a place of destruction because grace without truth leads to destruction. Everyone needs the guidance, the boundaries, the truth that says these are the ways that lead to destruction. This is the way that leads to life. And so grace, think of it this way. Grace is what softens the ground. Grace is what softens the ground, but truth is what gives life. Grace is what, what makes the soil ready to receive the seed, but truth is actually the nutrients that gives life, because truth is what points us away from those things that lead to destruction. Truth is what points us towards those things that lead to life. And if we don't have that, if all we get is grace, then we find ourselves in a place we never intended to go. And if all we have is truth without grace, we don't listen to anything that we hear. Both must work in partnership with one another. Both must be present in the church in order for the fruit that God wants us to have. So what are the implications of that? The implications first is that everyone is welcome here. Don't ever think that you have to pass a pop quiz to get in the door. You don't have to have a Bible. You don't have to know anything about Jesus. Don't ever feel like, oh, there's this friend that I love to invite to church, but I don't know how people would feel about them. I don't know what would happen. Everyone is welcome here. And if you ever find yourself, if you ever find yourself thinking, well, I'm not sure they fit. I don't know what, what. if you ever see someone else and wonder, I wonder why they're here. That is not an impulse that comes from the Spirit of God. Because Jesus has thrown open the doors and said, all are welcome. And if we ever lose that, we are not the church of Jesus Christ. All are welcome. But the church must also be a place where we are confronted by the reality of our own sin and the capacity that we all have within ourselves to not only destroy our own lives, but to greatly harm the lives of others. And the church has to be a place where we are confronted by that. And we share together this holy ambition to be more tomorrow than we are today. Because grace has forgiven us of our shortcomings. And truth points us towards a better way to live. Now think again about the partnership between those things. Think again about the importance of those two things. Some of you know this so well in your life. 
Because as you think about your life and what has been planted in your life, you think to yourself, I've had an abundance of truth-telling and no grace. And so you've come and, 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 and maybe you're here after a long time away from church because you just thought, I am tired of being judged and feeling like I'm a horrible person because no grace softened the ground and the seed wasn't able to take root. But some of you may think to yourself, man, I found myself in a place I never should have been and I just wish someone had told me because I got an abundance of grace but I didn't get any truth. Some of the most loving things that have ever been done for me in my life have come from someone who was willing to tell me something I didn't want to hear. Have you experienced that in your life? Has anyone ever told you something that you didn't want to hear? If you have, you've been blessed. Now my guess is you probably didn't say that when it happened. You probably didn't pause and say, okay, just thank you, Jesus. This is wonderful. I love this. This person, this is great. I love it. You, you probably didn't, you may have responded in, a, in, in quite a different way. You may have responded in a way and said, what are you doing? You can't talk to me that way. I don't want to hear that. What are you, you may have pushed back. You may have thrown something back, not recognizing that what was happening was one of the most loving things that anyone has ever done for you because they took a risk and they told you the truth and they told you something that maybe you didn't want to hear, but maybe in the course of time, that seed has gone to its proper death and maybe you see what a loving thing that was because grace and truth were both present here's how i heard it this week from another pastor when the only wisdom i consult is my own god always agrees with me some of you'll get that on the way home that's totally fine when the only wisdom i consult is my own god always agrees with me but listen contrast that idea with what we hear in in proverbs 4 this is solomon speaking to his son he says listen my son to a father's instruction pay attention and gain understanding for i too was a son to my father in other words kid i also had a dad that i didn't want to listen to either but he taught me and he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. And this is my favorite. Listen to this. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Don't you love that? The beginning of wisdom is this. Recognize that you don't have it. And you desperately need it. The beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Don't settle for the wisdom that simply comes from yourself. Get it and recognize that you do not have it. That you need people who will tell you the truth about what's happening in your life. You need truth to speak into your life, to point you away from the path that may be taking you in a direction you do not want to go. Truth that will lead you to a path that will take you on the way that leads to life. Now, because this isn't my first rodeo, I know that whenever we gather together in worship, people come from a variety of different places. I mean, you come from a variety of different experiences over this last week. Some of you are here and you just cannot help but be in a good mood. Because you went to the University of Oklahoma and you had a good day yesterday. 
And some of you are watching online today because you went to the University of Texas and you were ashamed. You, you thought Caesar was going to be here. And so you stayed home. That's totally vain. Some of you are here in a place of sorrow and that sorrow is not about something as silly as a football game. But it's about the difficulty that you're going through in your life. And you may be here today and you may think to yourself, well, man, I just really wanted to be encouraged and affirmed today, David. And you kind of let me down. This is not the sermon I wanted to hear. And if that's you, I'm sorry. I mean, I really want you to like me, so that bothers me. But, but I love you. I really do love you. And I love this church. I love this church. And I want this church, I, I love this church. I want this church to be a place where everyone feels welcome. Where everyone feels like this can be home. I don't get angry very often. I really don't. But if someone were to say to me, I just didn't feel very welcome, that would make me angry. <laughs> because this is a place that all, all should feel welcome. But I love you enough to maybe tell you some things that you don't want to hear. Because I love you. And I want this church to be a place where people are experiencing the fruit, the fruit that comes from righteous living. Now, some of you are in a very different place. Some of you are here today, and you, you've been in your mind making a list of people that you're going to drop some truth on this week. <laughs> That's actually what you've been writing down, not Proverbs 4. You've been thinking, oh, you, you, you're thinking, way to go, preacher. Preach it. Yes. Yes, that's what we need to do. I need to do some of that this week. And here's what else I know. You're going to blame me when you do it. You're going to sit them down and you're going to say, I'm sorry, this is going to hurt, but the pastor told me to do it. He told me to drop some truth on you, and this is the truth that you need to hear. And so here's, here's how I want us, people who come from all different experiences, here's how I want us to end today. I want us, I want us to end in prayer. And the prayer is not, God, would you give, give me the boldness to speak? But God, would you give us the humility and the courage to listen? And, and here's why I want us to pray that prayer. I want you to hear this very carefully. This may sound like I'm not following my own advice, but it's important for you to hear this. We need to pray for the courage to listen and the humility to receive words because there may be someone in your life right now who has been praying for you. And they've been praying that God would give them the strength to share with you something that you may not want to hear. There's been someone in your life who loves you, who cares deeply about you, and it is out of that sense of concern that they have been grieved to the depth of their soul because they want to share with you a word of life. And they are so afraid that that will be rejected and they will be as well. We need to pray for the courage to listen because there may be someone here, maybe you today, your heart is being destroyed by anger. You're being hollowed out from the inside by greed. There may be someone here today and your marriage 
Your marriage is being threatened because you're in a relationship that you shouldn't be in. You're having a conversation that you shouldn't be having. You are walking where you shouldn't walk. You are standing where you shouldn't stand. You are sitting where you shouldn't sit. And you know it. But you haven't changed anything yet. There may be someone here today who is living in isolation and you don't realize that the isolation has put you in a dangerous place. There may be someone here today who has sinned against someone that you love. And it is only pride that has kept you from saying, I'm sorry. Pride has taken you out on a tightrope and a gentle breeze is going to come and knock you over. There may be someone here today and there's someone else in your life who wants to say, this has become a problem. And you don't recognize this, but there's an addiction and you got to do something about it. There may be someone here today who's living with anxiety that has created a bondage in your life to the extent that you have chosen to believe that it's never going to change. It's just normal. And the word of truth that someone is inviting you to hear is that life doesn't have to be that way. But it may take asking someone for help. Maybe it's guilt. And guilt has created a slavery for you. And the word of truth that you may need to hear is you can let that go. That grace has already been offered and it's time to give it to yourself. And so let us pray. Not for the courage to speak, but the humility to listen for truth. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the grace that welcomes us into this place. The grace of the Father who who waits on the front porch for us to come home and when he sees us in the distance, jumps off the porch, runs to us to embrace us in his arms. We thank you for that picture of the Father and for the reminder that that is the heart of God. And so we pray, Lord, that that same heart would define our own, that it would define this garden, Lord, this, this, this family in which we have planted ourselves. We pray, Lord, that this would be a place where the love and grace of God is radically shared with others. But help us, Lord, help us, Lord, to be honest with ourselves, to be honest with one another, to recognize our own selfish and sinful tendencies and to see that there is a better way. Give space, Lord, for truth to take root in our lives. Give space, Lord, for those words of life to be received. 
Lord, I do pray for those who are here today who may have someone in their life that they need to talk to. Maybe they are the ones, Lord, who have been praying for weeks or months or even years for the courage to share a word that they know may be difficult. And if that be them, Lord, would you, would you simply, by your grace, purify their hearts and clarify their intentions? May our heart always be as yours. May our heart always be as yours. And for those, Lord, who may receive this as a word of condemnation or judgment, Lord, would you, would you with your grace, would you soften that ground? Would you remind them first that they are loved and that it is only by your grace that we have the capacity to begin to live in a new way? We pray for your church, Lord. May it be a place where we find grace and a place where we we find truth. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.